0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6. We're going to read together just one verse this morning. 1 Samuel 14, 6. Let's read. And Jonathan said to the young man that bears armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Father, we ask thy blessing. Upon your service this morning, we ask the Holy Spirit, will have the freedom to do what he's called to do. We pray that there will be decisions within our hearts, we pray that through the preaching of your word, our lives may be even changed. Again, bless the time. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I want you to notice two things from this particular verse. Towards the end of the verse, you will find the Lord will work for us. Bible says the Lord will work for us. It is not I. It is no you. It is the Lord will work for us. It is not that I work for the Lord. The focus should be on God. There has to be a dramatic shift the way we think or live each day as Christians. It's nothing about us. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's about God what He does through us. It's really nothing that we do for something for God. We all think we are doing something great for God. Just coming to worship services, reading the Bible, or going out to soul winning, we all feel we are doing something great for our God, Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible is very clear. It is not I, nor you, but the Lord will work for us. It has to be the Lord who has to the work for each one of us. Then notice with me again the second thing there. For there is no restraint. No restraint to the Lord to say by many or by few. There's no restraint to God. He can do whatever He please and He's able. But the problem is, you and I, can be a restraint to God? God is able. God can do anything. Then how come it seems God is somewhat restrained with our lives? The answer is very simple. I am the factor of restraint. I'm restraining what God can do through me. It is my backsliding status, perhaps. It is my worldliness, It is my lack of desire to do something for the Lord. It's not God. It's always me. These two things we need to notice this morning. And there has to be a dramatic transformation the way we all think as Christians. Yeah, we are privileged to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, it is gift of God, and we are saved by grace of God. But that does not mean we control our lives anymore. It's all about Jesus Christ within me. Bible speaks about the parable of the vine tree in John chapter 15. Bible says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And branches cannot bear fruit by themselves. It's the vine's responsibility to bear fruit. You and I, we try to bear fruit for Jesus Christ. What can I do for Christ? But the Bible says there is no restraint to God. God can do whatever He desires to do. He does not need me, nor you. It's the self-existing God. I am that I am. I don't need you guys to exist as God. But we need Him as much as possible, that we may exist as proper human beings. The whole paradigm shift from my focus, what can I do for the church? What can I do for my family? What can I do for God even? From that focus, it has to be switched to God. What could God do for my family? What could God do for our church? What could God do for me? Unless there is a dramatic shift the transformation of the way we live each day we're not going to change. Yeah, you've been Christian for the last 20 years. Great, wonderful. Praise the Lord. You are busy, you're sincere, you do all the everything the church does, you come to worship services, you do Bible studies, you read the QT everything. Yeah, great. But that is not because of Christ dwells within us. We do that because we are in Jesus Christ. There is a difference. When you trust Jesus Christ, you become a part of Christ. Now, you are in Jesus Christ. That comes with your salvation. But the real question is, whether I am in Jesus Christ, real question should be, Is Christ in me? Positionally, yes, He is. Yes, I'm in Jesus Christ. Christ is in me. Yes, we understand that theologically. But is Christ in me? There's a difference. I can do a lot of, let's say, work around the church. But these are things that we do because we are Christians, that doesn't necessarily mean Christ is really working through your lives. When Christ is within us, when Christ takes the control of our lives, that's when the fruit will come, because the nutrient has to come from the root. It's the sap that has to come through the root, through the trunk, to the branches to bear fruit. There is a difference. Many Christians are just simply delighted. They're they're sincere in the church. But show me some fruit, spiritual fruit that only Christ can generate through the branches. Love, peace, joy, etc., etc. There has to be a dramatic shift the way we live each day. Because Pardon the expression, but there are too many baby Christians today in our churches. It's not necessarily in our churches, but in churches today. Yeah. Delighted that we are, we are saved, You're delighted that we are on our way to heaven, but still very spiritual babies. Yeah. Yeah, what can God forgive me? God has not blessed our house the way that he did to that house. Yeah. That kind of attitude must put aside but time is to come that our shift should be on Jesus Christ. Bible says the Lord will work for us. Can I be used as his vessel that he may do his work through us? No restraint, Bible says, can I stop being a restraint to God? Can I stop being so worldly that the God may do something great through my life? But we continually enjoy the world. We are we are compromising with the world. We do whatever uh, the unbelievers do and still hope that God will bless our lives. Perish the thought. That's not the case. You cannot mock God. You cannot say I love Jesus Christ. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm a Christian, born again, unknown by heaven. You cannot mock God by simply saying that in living like the unbelievers every day. We basically watch what the unbelievers watch, we do what they do, and we enjoy, we laugh at what the unbelievers laugh too. As if we can control our lives ourselves. This is what Apostle Paul said, "I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me." He said, "I'm crucified with Christ." He' say, "Great, yes, but I'm still living in the flesh." He's saying, "But Christ liveth in me. It's not, I live in Jesus Christ. That's given salvation. It's free. But is Christ living within you? That's the key question. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's no longer my faith. The Bible says the faith of the Son of God. It's no longer my faith to please Jesus Christ. No. A faith, the faith, of the Son of God, that faith that coincides with the desire of Jesus Christ that uh, jibes with the will of God. It's no longer my will, my desire to live for Jesus Christ. There has to be a oneness, unity between my desire, His desire, my will, His will. Paul knew that. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and died for me. He said in Philippians chapter 2, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is God who is going to do the work both to will and to do of his good work. It's all about Jesus Christ. And we should be privileged to be a part of his plan. Yeah. COVID-19, I think, was a great lesson for all of us. We continue to uh, meet and do in-person services since last Sunday in May last year. Every Sunday, we met here in person. Yes, I'm all sick. I well, understand that. I understand that. But if you neglected for the whole year, let's say, I, I yeah, I, I worship through the, uh, through the Zoom and through internet, you may say, but if you had no desire for the whole year, yeah, the church is meeting in person. What are they doing? Didn't you wanna go and see what we are doing in person? Well, were we just a super beings? We had no fear, no, nothing? Yeah, there are times that I worried. We made some rules and we made some decisions and we waited and how the Lord will do the work. But there were times that we were, let's say, afraid how things may turn out. But COVID-19 became a great test, a litmus test for our faith. Hopefully through their through this experience you all grew in faith. Yeah. I hope that you are stronger now than 18 months ago, let's say. And you are stronger now than let's 12 months ago. Yeah. COVID just not, did not just happen. It's an allowance from God. God allowed it to happen for many reasons. One of the reasons was to purge. His churches. It did not just happen. God allowed that happen, that he would start trimming or pruning some branches. The branches that may bear more fruit. It's a serious matter. Yeah, we are living in the last day before his coming. This is not just the walk in the park kind of thing. We are living truly in the last days. When I got saved, nobody talked about homosexual marriage, but today, homosexual marriage is legal in this country. We nobody talked about transgenderism uh, back then, and nobody talked about critical race theory, but today, everybody's talking about critical race theory, and they're talking about different things, and we have all accepted them. Things are changing so rapidly today, that it hastens the coming of Jesus Christ. What more do we need to see in this society before we all say, we better cover our eyes and just hide in a hole somewhere before this whole place becomes so terrible? How much more can we endure? How much more sin do we need to see before Christ says, enough? Enough. We are truly living in the last days before His coming. But God is looking, though. Why? Because God wants to work His work through us, through you and through me. Not I work for Him, but God is willing. Let me read this verse for you. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, read, For the eye of the Lord run to and fro, throughout the whole earth to show himself strong, to demonstrate his power in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. We know David was not perfect, but Bible says, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. And today, you and I should desire to be another David for God. We are not perfect. Yeah, David was not perfect. But he was a man after God's own heart. And God used him and fulfilled his will. With that introduction, let me briefly give you three things from the text. Three things. The Lord will work for us through difficult circumstances. He will work for us through difficult circumstances. Chapter 13, verse 5. we We're not going to read all the scriptures, but 13, 5. If you read that, the Philistines get it to fight against Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand, which is on the seashore in multitude. Verse 6. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, then the people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in high places and in pits. Verse 7, all the people followed him trembling. Scared people. They saw what was happening. They saw the environment. They saw the circumstance. And Israelites became scared. Every time you and I look on the environment, what's happening around us, it's a matter of time we'll have that spirit of fear within us. Even though we know that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. But the spirit of fear will creep into your mind when you focus on the surroundings. Focus is key people, the Israel, saw the Philistines. They got scared. They hid everywhere. They were trembling before the war. Then they had a scared leader, King Saul. Bible says, uh, 13 verse 12, I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. I think you know the story about this. He offered a burnt offering. Verse 13 says, Samuel said to Saul, thou has done foolishly. It all happened because Saul was scared. People were scared. The king was scared. Everybody was scared because they're focused on what's happening around us. Christians, that's a problem with us. We tend to look at what's happening around us. We tend to look at the disease that is going around us. But we fail to see who is in control of that. Christ. God allows it to test our faith. God allows it enough to demonstrate our faith before the world. But if you keep looking at what's happening around us, the L.A. County, this is what's happening. There are more more, uh, COVID patients, etc., etc. That scares you and you will find a little pit somewhere, and you'll put your head there, and you'll hide yourself. That's, some, that's what Christians do. Amazingly. But that focus got to be shifted. That focus must be on the stationary God. The God does not change. Immutable God, unchangeable God when you are scared, you need to lift your eyes and look unto Jesus Christ, who is the everlasting God, unchanging, immutable God, who can take care of anything with our lives. Some churches stood for the for faith, for which we are we be grateful, but many churches, they simply close their doors down. Now the government knows. Now the devil knows. Next time, they're going to pressure a little more, and just about every church will simply close down till government tells them to open up again. We just show that. We demonstrate that to the people. Yeah, churches are not really not essential. I mean, we Christians demonstrate to the people of unfaith uh, that we are, our churches are not really essential. We all say it's important, but the, in reality, when things happen... Not really important, yet. Yeah. But brethren, we must be focused on Jesus Christ. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When you go through difficult circumstances, look unto Jesus Christ, who is still stationary who is still there on the throne of God, and he's still on the throne, and just nothing has changed. But people of Israel were scared. King Saul was scared. They were going through a difficult circumstance. But we know the Lord can work through us or for us despite difficult circumstances you may be going through your difficulty even today. Who knows? Something that you cannot even share with others. But Bible says this in Psalm 34, verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all interesting. As you try to become more righteous, it seems that you become more afflicted in this life. I'm very comfortable as a Christian, I got a nice job, nice family, I have no, uh, no afflictions whatsoever, my co workers love me and perhaps you're backsliding. Perhaps you are not living as you should. Because the Bible is very clear. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You know what the Bible says? Yeah. Many are the afflictions. Yeah. Unexpected difficulties come. Afflictions come. You ask, why, Lord? Why, Lord? i just been through one. Why another one now? Many are the afflictions. Of the righteous. But the key question is would God deliver us? But the Bible says, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. So let us trust the Lord that he will deliver us through difficult circumstances. Then, secondly, I want you to see with me the Lord can work through. For dedicated few, dedicated few, the Lord can work through us or for us through dedicated few. Chapter thirteen, verse fifteen says, "So number the people that were present with him, about six hundred men." They began with three thousand men. Now there are only six hundred men left. People with no commitment, they leave. Remember Elijah? He had a great battle of gods on Mount Carmel, he had a a tremendous victory. Then Jezebel appeared. She said few words, and Elijah became so scared. He sat under a juniper tree and said, Lord, it is enough. Now, Lord, take away my life. Just a few days ago, you see this courageous Elijah standing as 850 prophets. We'll see who God is. He saw the fire coming down and burnt the offerings and he killed the prophets. God demonstrated his power. He saw that, experienced that. But soon after, he was saying, Lord, I think my, my time is up now. I've done my share. He so said, take me home, take me home. But remember what Jesus said. There are still, how many people? 7,000 left. Always the case. When things become tough, those who are committed to Jesus Christ, they are the ones who will stay. Who will stay committed. They'll be part of the dedicated few, part of 600 men. Remember Gideon's army? They all began with 32,000 people, soldiers. Then God said, too many. Cut it down to 10,000. That's still too many. Cut it down to... 300 men. Those were the dedicated few. We know Bible says, Lord has no restraint. God does not need a crowd, a multitude. Read the the Bible, throughout the Bible, it usually one or two, a handful of men and women who are used of God. God made a difference through them, not the crowd. Yeah. They're like a ocean wave. They just come and they go. No commitment, no priorities, no nothing. They're simply part of a crowd there. But when things really beginning to turn up, the heat is up, they're the ones who will walk away from us. But the question is, those who will stay till the end, are the ones who will see the victory of Jesus Christ. They are the ones who will see the comfort of Jesus Christ. They are the ones who can say, yes, there is truly no restraint to God. But out of 30,000, pardon me, out of 3,000, only 600 left, and 2,400 walked away. Out of 32,000, only 300 men left. There are only 12 disciples. There are only three apostles that God truly loved. And he worked with one apostle, Paul, to reach out the world. It's not the numbers. There's no restraint with God. God is looking for those who are dedicated few. Handful of people, men and women and children who are dedicated for the cause of Jesus Christ, who will do something for God, who is willing to do something God. And today, it is difficult to find even few. It might be the days that we are living in. Things are happening that the there a lot of we say a lot of Christians are trusting in the, but where do you see the true revival that is happening today? Yes, we see the drops of blessings. Yes, we see drops of God's blessings here and there, but as we sing about that hymn, where are the showers of blessings? When was the last time we truly saw a showers of blessing from God? When it was the last time we really experienced the presence of God? When it was the last time we said, wow, God was here with us? Wow, that service was great. God was truly with us. When was the last time we truly experienced the presence of God? The creator of God, the all God of God, all un- the God of universe is actually dwelling within you and working with your life. And you say, nothing much is happening. How are you doing today? Nothing. What do you mean nothing? Almighty God indwells you and nothing is happening in your life? That's crazy. Christians try to be faithful enough to be a part of that dedicated few. Every pastor is looking for few dedicated ones. Yes, pastor loves everybody. We'll try to cater to everyone's need. Yes. Pray for every one of them. But to move the work forward, to see God's blessing up on the ministry, to see God's hand upon our ministry together, God is the pastor is looking for a dedicated he's searching. Is he the man? Is she the woman who will do something great for God? I admit that God can use any one of us great, but God is looking for few dedicated ones to do his work. Within our church, at your house, even within a family. If there's one person, a truly faithful member of a family, that family will become righteous in the end. It's kind of God's promise as well. If there's a one mother who is truly dedicated for the cause of Jesus Christ and stands for the faith, Matter of time, the children will become righteous. It's a matter of time, the husband will become righteous as well. If there's one father who is willing to do something for the Lord, lead that family properly and biblically, yes, the wife may say no, yeah, the children may be rebellious, but if the person stays faithful, I believe that family will become righteous one day. I see that promise from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I see that. I see that. But the question is, are you going to be one of those dedicated few? Are you willing though? The whole world is going away from faith, let's say. All my friends are walking away from faith. All my friends are not in the church anymore. Great. What does that mean? Why can't you stay and make a difference? Everybody's leaving the church. Great. Okay. That's what's happening today. Why don't you stay and make a difference and do something and bring some families back into the church? Why can you keep saying, oh, the church is not interesting. Pastors boring. Same old story about salvation, about Jesus' Christ." Why don't you do something about it? Why don't you get right with God and read the Bible and become someone for Christ, become one a dedicated few and make a difference that the church may become a lighthouse in this community. I cannot do everything. Brother Richard cannot do everything. Brother Robbie can do everything. But we can all do it together and only a few men and women who are willing to do something with it and we can make a difference. Jesus needs just one Apostle Paul to change the world. He just needed 12 apostles to change the world as well. And as I count, I see more than 12 people in this congregation right here. Yeah. God can work for us through difficult circumstances. God can work for us through dedicated few who are willing to be faithful and remain. And finally, let me, see, let me share with you that the, uh, the Lord can work for us through determined one. Determined one person. Verse 6, chapter 14. Bible says, the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to say by many or by few. Jonathan believed that he can do something for the Lord or three, at least for Israel. Yeah. He knew God does not require many. He knew himself, his armor-bearer, is sufficient for God. So they charged on, foolishly, in a way. Yeah. But when, when Jonathan charged on, he just said, Oh, okay, by, by my strength, I can do this. I can kill everybody. That was not his attitude. His focus was squarely on God. There's no restraint God can do. If God can do with many, God can certainly do with few. And he believed, I'm going to be that one determined one. In a sense, you just need one person to make a difference. When this nation became an independent sovereign state, they talked about what should be the official language of the United States. Do we have any German descendants here? <laughs> yeah. German almost became the official language of this country. Yeah. But English became the official language by one vote. By one vote. Yeah. I was doing this QT this morning and it's interesting. Hitler became the leader of the Nazi party in Germany because by one vote. By one vote, he was elected to the leadership of that party. And we know what happened after that. By one person, God can make a difference. Yeah. not because we are great. We are not great, by the way, okay? I don't care how much money you have, how many degrees you have, how many education you have behind you. I don't care. In God's sight, that is very minimal. That is nothing. That is nada, zilch, nothing. That's where we stand. That's where we stand. If that's the case, if God is willing to use me, I'll be happy to volunteer. Lord, yeah, I'm here. I'm nobody. But if you're willing to use me. William Carey, when he went to India, It took him about seven years before he saw his first convert. But he was a great missionary. Just one person laboring for God. And we all know this is what he said. Attempt great things for God. Expect great blessings from God. One person translating many dialects of India and have the Bibles translated and they left the legacy in there, and it has a lot of Christians today in India because of his work a long time ago. One person, one person. God is not looking for too many people to do his work. He's still looking for just one person. This is what the Bible says, For the eye of the Lord run to and fro, as if he cannot find anyone, Imagine God is running to and fro throughout the whole world just to find one person who is willing. But it, it seems he's not being very successful here. To show himself strong in, the, in, in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. A man after mine own heart. David, who shall fulfill all my will. And the Bible even says this, someone 19, "It is time for thee, Lord, to work. It is for you to work, Lord. It is not me. I cannot do anything. It is time for you to bear fruit." Yeah As branches, we cannot bear fruit. Remember that. Yeah, branches cannot have that ability. The, 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 the food, the, uh, the nutrient, has to come from the root. It has to come from the vine itself. Christ has to supply the uh, nourishment that the branches may be a fruit. We are simply branches, and without God, our branches will remain barren. And before long, God will come and, and prune, obviously, those branches. But if we're willing to let the Lord do the work, it is time for the Lord to work for us. It is time for you to work through this ministry. It is time for you to work through my family. It is time for through my life. We need to become that determined one to see difference in the economy of God. With that, let me finish. Adoniram Judson, first American missionary to uh, Burma, which is in Myanmar today. He went there at the age of 25, that was 1813. At the age of 25, he went to Burma. He preached his first sermon in six years in Burma. He saw first convert in seven years. It took him seven years to win one soul to Jesus Christ. While he was there, he lost two wives, and he lost seven children. They all died in the field. A tragedy? A sad ending? Yes, perhaps, but. After 37 years of ministry in Burma, he saw 63 churches planted and 7,000 people baptized. And even today, after 150 years today, there are 3 million Burmese Christians because of one determined person. I I was teaching the book of Ezekiel the other week and I thought about the uh, the temple, the millennial temple that's going to be built during the kingdom period. Obviously, with the temple, they'll need priests who will do the work around the temple. And I noticed those priests who will be used during the kingdom will be the descendants of Zadok. The high priest was faithful to David a long time ago. Remember the Absalom rebelled against David and so on? And the priest and, left and Levites became all backslidden. But that high priest Zadok remained faithful till the end with David. That was, let's say, about 3,000 years ago, about 1,000 BC, let's say. Now we live 2080, AD, right? The so 3,000 years ago that happened. We do not know exactly when the temple is going to be built, but that's going to be soon. When that is done, the descendants of that man, Zadok, is going to be called upon to do all the important work around the temple. The Levites will be there, but they'll end up doing simply just the minimal work around here. But these are the ones who are called upon to carry out all the important work. You know why? Because of one person right here, one person called Zadok, who remained faithful to the end. He did not see all the fruits immediately, not all the blessings, but who knew? After 3,000, after 4,000, his descendant would be blessed because of his faithfulness. we will never be able to see all our spiritual fruit in our generation, but you will see that through your children, your grandchildren, your descendants, your descendants. That's how faithful God is. We think it's just a one-generation thing. We, as a church, we like to see this a multi-generation church. It has to be a multi-generational church in order to even survive. If we end by one generation, let's say my generation, if the ones, then after that the church somehow dwindles, it's the end of the church. It has to be a multi-generation. The parents, the grandparents, their children, their grandchildren, and multi-generation church has to be, I believe, God's plan. That's what God wants to see. Generation after generation, people are faithful and righteous to God. Just like Zadok did. And he was just one man. And God is still looking for one determined person who will do something great for God. Let me challenge you this morning. You may go through some difficult circumstances. Be focused on God. Rather than in your circumstances, turn your eyes upon Jesus Christ and trust Him and wait upon Him. Soon, God will do the work and you will see the difficulty disappearing. Perhaps you may, go, you may desire to be one of dedicated few. Yeah, I want to be one of those few who remain faithful till the end. I don't know how I can do that. But if God is willing, I will remain faithful till the end. Be faithful. Because you're not going to regret Just be one of those few dedicated ones. Whether it's in the church, at your house, uh, workplace, whatever it might be. Determine to be one that person. And finally, if you're going to, I want you to be the, determined one. Yeah. You can say, Lord, I want to be like Jonathan. Yeah. The whole world may go against me. I may be the only one who will be faithful till the end, but you can count on me. I will be that determined one, no matter what the circumstances. When those decisions are made within your lives, things will begin to change. Because now it is no longer I in Christ alone, but it is Christ who is within you and begin to work with your life and do something great for you because we know there's no restraint to God.